I want to start by sharing a story, and then uh, and then I'm I'm going to take you into scripture. This is this is still regarded as the Bible Belt, right? So we're going to get into the Bible a little bit, okay? So listen, the Bible Belt is known around the world. So I'm like, you're going to be in the Bible Belt. We need to be in our Bibles. Um, so uh, I remember the one time. Um, Firstly, just to say what, what Pastor Jada was saying, I run a, a school called the Supernatural Lifestyle School. We train people in how to walk in the supernatural. I believe the supernatural is something that we have overcomplicated. We've overcomplicated it. Okay? If you can hear his voice when you got born again because there's a tug in your heart, that's supernatural. Because you're engaging with a... God that is beyond the natural. That's what supernatural means. It comes two words. Super to mean above and beyond and the natural. So you already are supernatural. And I think a lot of times we think that in order to be supernatural, we've got to <laughs> attain to something. No, you already are. And, and our school is really just helping people sort of walk that out. But the one time uh, Jackie and I were flying back uh, from a ministry trip, we were flying across South Africa, uh, back to Cape Town, and we got onto the airplane, and this young girl came and sat next to us. And uh, she had the book in her hand, A Purpose Driven Life. How many of you know that book? And I said to Jackie, I said, I feel like God wants me to share the gospel uh, with this young lady if she's not a Christian. So I said to Jackie, I said, please, will you pray? Because um, Jackie was next to the window. I was in the middle. She was in the aisle. So, so I start. I turned across this, this young lady and I said to her, excuse me, I see you reading the book Purpose of Life. Like, are you enjoying it? And she gave me like a one word answer and then she turned the other way. And I was like, well, that's a bad sign. You know, so I waited about 15 minutes until we were flying and then, you know, she actually pulled the book out. So, you know, I said, oh, what, what chapter are you reading all this? Tried to make some small talk and uh, she wanted nothing to do with me. So I'm like, okay, I'll enjoy your flight. And I turned back to my wife and I said, well, you're obviously not praying hard enough. Um, so, so she turns to me, she's like, well, I think you need to get a word of knowledge for her. So this, this is how we work. This is how we work in our family. So, so I'm like, okay. And I start praying. I'm like, God, how do you see this young lady? And as I'm sitting there, I get a picture of this huge boulder. Um, and I, I turned around to this lady and I said to her, I said, excuse me, but I just, I just had a picture now in my mind of this, this huge boulder, like, and I don't know what it means. And she said to me, she said, you know, every time I pray, I feel like there's a boulder, this huge thing in between me and God. And she starts opening up that her father's a pastor and that she's been hurt by what she has seen her parents go through and all of this. And she's built a wall up between her and God. And she says, I don't even know how to engage with God anymore. And I said to her, explained who I was. And I said, look, can I show you in the Bible? And I took her to, to Luke 15, talking about the prodigal son. And uh, we had a two-hour flight. So, you know, she wasn't going anywhere. So <laughs> I, read, I read the story to her, and I said, you see, this is the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father is He's running after you. And the block is on your side. But if you want to, we can pray together and you can repent. And that boulder can be moved out of the way, and we can restore your relationship with God. 
And she said, yes, I'd like that. And with tears coming down her cheeks, I got to pray for her and she recommitted her life to Jesus. And I love it because this is what God is doing. And we could have missed it in that moment. But I want to speak a little bit this morning about prodigals. I want to speak about that scripture. And I want to ask that you open your Bibles or your phones or whatever you're going to use. Open up to Luke 15. And I want us to read the story together. And then I want to touch on a couple of things and share one of the things I feel like God is doing at this moment. All right, so Luke 15, verse 11. Are you all there? All right. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to, his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of the hired men. So he got up and went to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older brother was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has, has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property and prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. I want to speak a little bit about the tale of two brothers. Because so often when it comes to talking about this story, we focus on the prodigal son, uh, which is actually only half of the story. Because if it was just about the prodigal son coming back, Jesus would have stopped halfway and said, look, they're celebrating because the brothers come home. But he actually carries on to talk about the other brother. And I believe that if you really want to look at this closely, it's actually a tale of two prodigals. 
Not one. And it's two prodigals that are struggling in their relationship with their father. And I believe that this is symbolic of what we are seeing in the world today. A group of people who have walked away from their father and a group of people who might not have walked away from their father, but whose relationship with their father is estranged. Amen? And I want to touch a little bit on these two things because I believe that sitting here, some of you might identify maybe more with the first one and some of you might identify with the second brother. And both of them is an invitation of the father saying, listen, I want relationship. It doesn't have to be either or. So I want to start by looking at the son who went away. So he took all his father's wealth or his inheritance that he could get from his father. He went, he squandered it, he did all sorts of stuff. And, and what's interesting is that he finds himself in the lowest of lows in his life. Where everything has been taken from him. And for some of you here, you might be sitting and you can identify with that. That you can feel in your heart like, man, I'm in this low place. Like, I don't know what to do. And what's interesting is that there's a phrase in verse 17 that I believe is essential. It says, when he came to himself. When he came to himself. It's like he had this revelation of his father's household. And who he is and who he's supposed to be. Amen? Come on, I need a bit of feedback here. So, so he, he's in his place of in a real low, but in that place he recognizes this is not who I was created to be. Some of us, we've gone around, we've been living a sinful life, doing all of these things, and deep down inside you know this isn't who you were created to be. You were created to be a son and a daughter of the Most High. And whilst we're playing around with all the stuff here on the earth, there's this nagging going on inside of us that's saying, this isn't you. This isn't you. And God might be calling you home today. Saying, come to yourself. Recognize who you are. Come home. And this brother had this moment where, where he decides, I'm going back, and I'm going back as a slave, because even the slaves are better. Now, what's interesting about this is that he is walking home, and it says that the father sees him from a distance. Now, what that tells me is that the father was looking for him. Because if the father was carrying on with life, he would only have known when the son actually knocked on the door. But he sees him at a distance and the father recognizes, this is my son. And I love the reaction of the father. He runs. This is the reaction of our heavenly father. Doesn't matter what you've done. As soon as you turn and say, I'm going back, he's running at you. He's not waiting as a distant father. He's running at you. And he comes to the son and he says, I'm embracing you. It says that he embraced his son. Then what does he do? He gets a robe. That's like speaking about royalty. And he puts it on him. Now, now let's take a moment and think about this. 
The context that Jesus is speaking here is he is talking to Pharisees, right? Go and read who he's addressing when he tells this parable. He's addressing the Pharisees. So this prodigal son had been working where? In the pig pen. Yeah, the pig field. And, and here's the key point. How do Jews view pigs? They're unclean. So Jesus is going after the heart of the Pharisees. Because he's saying to them, now you've got to read it in their mindset. He's saying, this son had been living with unclean pigs. And when he comes home, the father runs and embraces him. Doesn't run and say, listen, I think you need to go and show yourselves to the priest, get yourselves clean, go and take a shower, you stink a little bit. No, that's not the father's reaction. This would have made the Pharisees really uncomfortable. Because they would have wanted to see, no, 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 sort yourself out. And so often that's what we like in the church. We want people to sort their lives out before they come to church. No, no, no. You only clean a fish after you catch it, right? So, so let's, not, let's not be the, these people who it's like, I celebrate when people walk in to a church and they might bring all their mess with them. Because this is a place where Jesus is going to get them out of their mess. So let's not be the Pharisees who are pointing fingers. Oh, have you seen what Susie's wearing today or whatever? No, no, no. This is the place Susie needs to be. So the father responds. He's celebrating his son. He's like, this is my boy. He's back. In walks the other brother. (laughs) What is the reaction of the other brother? Envy, jealous, anger, judgment. There's a separation. You see, the problem is he never had a concern for his brother. He didn't have a concern for his brother. Where, Where have you been? I'm celebrating the fact that you're back. His response shows us his heart. He was asking questions like, what about my inheritance? What about me? Why was it that this brother did not feel that he could approach the father to have his own party? That's a question I'd like to know. Because the father said, everything I have is yours. So what was it about the son that he said, I have slaved for you. I've done all these things for you. It's a slave mentality that this brother had. He didn't have that relationship with the father where he could recognize that the father wants to celebrate him. So his response in that moment was one of judgment because he wasn't actually in right relationship with the father. So he judges the brother pointing fingers because he doesn't realize the love that the father has for him. And this is a picture of what I believe is happening so often in the church today. We have forgotten the mercy of God upon our own lives. 
That when someone comes in who is in need of the mercy of God, we would rather judge them than have the Father's response, which is to embrace them. And it's because we have forgotten what he saved us from. We have fallen into this prodigal brother, the other brother, and we've come to the place of saying, yeah, but, but how's this going to mess up with our church service? I'm comfortable. And what, what's going to happen if I walk in on a Sunday morning and there's someone sitting in my seat? Man, you're starting to sound a lot like your brother because this is your inheritance. This is your comfort zone. This is everything. And you are concerned about that element and you're not celebrating the fact that the particles come home. And God is stirring the church to say, would you, would you feel what I feel towards the lost? And so often we even point fingers at the Pharisees because we look at this and we're like, man, those Pharisees were evil. Those Pharisees were religious. And, all and we don't realize that we are those Pharisees. <laughs> we might not be wearing the clothes they're wearing. We might not be doing all that stuff. But a lot of the time, a lot of our attitude that comes out is, is exactly there. Yeah. And I'm including myself in this. Yeah. All right? Would we weep for the lost? Look at what he says to the father. When this son of yours, you know there's a problem when he's not saying, when this brother of mine. Moses did the same thing. How many of you remember that? Moses like, these people of yours, God. When you get offended in your heart, it's like, God, these are your people. This is your son. This is not my brother anymore. I have actually disowned him in his heart. And look at the father's reaction, verse 31 and 32. We all know about the father's reaction to the first son, but I love this reaction to the second son. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. And I love this. Because this brother of yours, notice he switched it around. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. And there are three things I'm going to just touch on quickly out of those statements that, that what the father does and he's still doing today. The father starts by saying, my son. He brings this son back to an understanding of position. You are my son. Because a lot of the time we start getting into these things where, where we get judgments, we get all of this, and it's, a lot of the times it's because we have forgotten that we're a son and daughter. So he starts by saying, my son, position and acceptance. Number two, you are always with me. He's reaffirming proximity. He is reaffirming to the son that his presence is there. That's why Jesus said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And then a third thing he reassures the son that he needed to hear was justice. All that is mine is yours. You see, the father wasn't 
excluding or ignoring what this brother was saying. Because this brother had a real concern. He's concerned if this brother comes back, does that mean that I have to now divide my inheritance with him? So there was a legitimate justice issue here. But the father has a problem with the fact that this brother had elevated the justice issue above the relationship. So he's going after the relationship, but he still actually addressed him and said, listen, you are right. Everything I have is yours. He just wants to put him at peace with that. And that's what a good father will do. Identity, my son, I am always with you, but I'll also address justice issues. Amen. The church today is far too much like the brother. We are concerned about the feasting than we are about the lust. I, I, will, I will say this, and I'm talking about the church in general that I'm, I'm being exposed to. Um, I love the fact that this church has got a heart for the lost. I love it. I, I've seen some of your fa- Facebook posts. I've seen how you guys do things. So, so please don't hear what I'm not saying. But I think the church in general has focused so much on the feasting part that we've missed the part of your brother that was lost is now found. We are more comfortable with conferences and meetings, but are we going after the prodigals? John 4 verse 35, do not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. This is Jesus speaking. And look at what he says. He says, lift up your eyes. Why? He is saying, you are looking down. When you look down, what do you see? Oh, I see myself. He's like, you're looking at yourself. Lift up your eyes. Look out. Look beyond yourself so that you will see the harvest. For the harvest is ready. It is ripe. But the labor is of you. Lift up your eyes. We need to pray that God would open up our eyes. Because part of the problem is we blinded out there. We don't want to see it. But when you actually say, God, open up my eyes, he will do it. God, give me a heart. You know that song, Hosanna? Break my heart for what breaks yours. Careful. Because if you ask him to do that, he will. You won't be able to see things again the same. But we've got to see the prodigals as he saw them. You know, the majority of what Jesus' ministry was involved in was not in the temple, it was out in the streets. Think about it. Go and read the Gospels. Where did Jesus do most of his ministry? Wasn't in the temple. It was out in the streets. Where did the apostles do most of their ministry? Out in the streets. They have an upper room experience. What did they do? They didn't go back to the temple. Hey, let's carry on. They went out on the streets. And it's time for the church to get out of its four walls. Because let me tell you that the prodigals are not going to just come in here. The prodigals are out there. And we need to get out to actually go and reach them. And what we've done is we've flipped actually true Christianity around because in the gospels and in acts 90% of the ministry was on the streets. About 10% was in the church or the temple. 
Nowadays, it's flipped the other way. 90% of our ministry will be inside a church building and like 10% is actually getting out there. And God's saying, would you open up your eyes? Would you see beyond? Because those are the people I want to reach. Maybe if we stepped out more, we would see more of a move of God. I remember I went on a, a ministry trip to India and we were, again, prophetic evangelists. And we like, where we asked God, God, speak to us. Who do you want us to speak to? And, and the words that I got was a red sari and name, um, marital problems and stomach problems. And we're walking along and I, I see the shop and above the shop is the name we had seen. Underneath it is a red sari. So we're like, it's got to be in that place. So we walk in and we, we see like the owner there and that's the thing. We said, listen, we explained who we are. We said, we really feel like God wants to do this stuff. Is there anyone here who's got a stomach problem or marriage problems, all of this? And the manager of the store walks to the door, shuts the door and locks it. <laughs> now you got to know that when you're in a foreign country <laughs> and a Hindu man walks to the door, locks the door, I'm like, Jesus, I'm here to be received. Like, I'm ready to go. And this guy calls all his staff and explains to the staff what we're doing. And two of them say, yes, we've got stomach problems today. One of them was the manager. So we started, we prayed for the manager. He felt this like sensation go through his body. He's like, what is that? I'm like, that's just the Holy Spirit touching you. He gets completely healed right there in the store. So I turn to the other lady. I'm like, okay, well, we can pray for you. And she says, no, you don't need to. I'm like, but you said you had a problem. She's like, yes. But as you prayed for him, a coolness came over my body and my pain's completely gone. And the two of them got healed. So the manager says, he says, are you a guru? I'm like, no, I'm not a guru. <laughs> Definitely not. And he's like, I want my mom to come and meet you. She has been searching for God her whole life. So I said, well, where is she? And he's like, she lives 45 minutes drive from here. And I'm like, ouch, okay. Uh, we, had, we had to go. We had another meeting we had to get to. And I said, well, we're going to be meeting at this beach tomorrow to do some more outreach. As I said, that's where we'll be. The following day, we went to the beach and this guy arrived. He had, he had closed his shop, driven 45 minutes, picked up his mom, driven an hour and a half to where this beach was, and brings the mom to come and meet us. And, uh, and we got to lead the mom to Jesus. Oh. And uh, what, what was so amazing about this was she would never have set foot in a church. And there was then another lady standing there who I recognized as one of the other staff members. And I said to her, I said, oh, did you just come with? And she said, no, when you mentioned about there's someone with marriage problems, that's me. But she said, but I couldn't say it in front of everyone else. My husband has been beating me. Um, and he's a Muslim man. My husband's been beating me, all of this. And so I called one of the, the pastor's wives to come. And I said, listen, we're going to pray with you. But I want this lady to walk with you. Because how many of you know it's, it's easy for me to pray a prayer and then I get on a plane and leave? She's the one who's got to go home at the end of the day. So I said, you need to meet this pastor. And we introduced her to this pastor and we prayed together. And it's just God's calling us to step out. 
he's calling us? Would we have a heart for the lost? Would we, would we just believe him for the people around us? Would we open up our eyes? If you think about it, how did Peter come to be a disciple? It wasn't at a temple. It was he was cleaning his nets. Jesus came to him. How did Paul become a disciple? It wasn't in a temple. He was in a temple many days. There was lots of opportunity in the temple, but it's riding a donkey. Whack. And then Ananias gets sent. Go to him. It's like we've got to step out. The gospel came to Africa because an Ethiopian eunuch had come to Jerusalem to do sacrifices. He'd been in the temple the whole week. But God waits until he's leaving, and then God says to Philip, now you go. And it was out of obedience to someone going that the gospel came to Africa for the first time. And the question mark I have is how many people are we missing because God's nudging us, go, and we say no. And he's like, would you open your eyes? One more testimony, and then we're going to close off. So, so we, we run our, our supernatural lifestyle school in a, in a town called Paul. It's just outside of Cape Town. And part of that is we go, um, after about the first two days, it's a nine-day school, we go every single day onto the streets um, and just go and see what God wants to do and, and who he wants us to minister to. And a couple of people were, they walked past the police station and they saw this mom and teenage son walk out of the police station and they felt like they needed to go and pray for this teenage boy. And they walked up and they introduced themselves and they asked if they could pray and they said, sure. And they prayed and they started prophesying over this boy, what they felt like God was saying over him, all of this. And then they said, hey, listen, we're actually having a conference tonight if you want to come along to it. So the mom and the son came to the conference that evening. Um, at the end of the conference, he got born again. Uh, but wait, wait, you'll hear more. We invite him to come the following night, to the second night of the conference. Second night of the conference, he gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. He then comes and testifies that the reason he was walking out of the police station was he had been arrested that day for stealing a car. And the police had dropped the charges, but they phoned the mom and said, listen, you need, to, you need to come get your son. This is what he's done. So he's walking out of a police station, having just been arrested. And he has this moment where these random people walk up to him and start telling him how God sees him. And he gets born again and filled with the spirit the following night. And so I, I really just feel like this is like we've got to open our eyes. God, lift up our eyes that we would see it. That we would see the people out there. That when we go to you know, a place like a McDonald's or a restaurant or saying, God, open up our eyes. That we're not just going through the motions. We're not just living out our lives. But that we're actually seeing the people around us and seeing where they're at. And so there are two groups of people I want to actually pray for today. The one group of people is I want to pray for, for those who are saying, yes, God, this is burning inside of me. This is burning inside of me. You might feel the call of an evangelist or whatever, but there's a call on everyone to be a witness. But if there was something while I'm speaking, you just resonate. You're like, yes, that's me. I'm going to ask that first group of people to stand in a moment, not right now. The second group of people is that I actually believe that there are people here who you would view yourselves as the prodigals. 
that even though you have come into a service like this, you know that your walk with Him is not right. You know that He's calling you back. And I'm going to take a moment at the end to pray for you. And so I'm going to ask that you check your heart in this process while I'm praying for the first group. Check your heart. Because the Holy Spirit is going to touch you and you're going to know that you need to respond to it. And so if you are here, if you're that first group of people that your heart was burning and you're saying, you know what, Stephen, that's me. I feel like I need to open my eyes up to the lost. I feel a call even to be an evangelist out there to share the gospel. If that's you, I want you just to stand. I just want to just stand up. I want to pray with you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm just asking you, this is a commitment you're making to the Lord. And you ask Him to open up your eyes. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father, for your presence here. Thank you for every person who has stood up. Father, I ask that you would mark them. Mark them deeply, God. As they've responded to your call, would you mark them deeply? I pray that you would give them a burden for the lost. I'm going to pray something, and I hope you don't mind me praying it. Father, I pray that they would even just weep for the lost. That they would see the depravity of man. That they would see the real state of a person who is separated from their Savior. And that, Father, that they would be on their knees. And that you would send them out as laborers into the harvest field. We pray for the prodigals in Crowley, Father. We call them home. We ask you, Holy Spirit, you are the greatest evangelist, that you would go and even start working in their hearts in this city, Father. Work in their hearts. And so, Father, every single person who is standing, Father, we say, would you use us, God? We say that we are available, Father, in our workplace, in our schools, in the supermarkets, wherever it is, God, we say, open up our eyes to see it, that we can be vessels. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. We want to grab a seat from a And now I want to pray for the second group. I want to pray for you if you feel like you're in that low place. You've walked away from God and you can identify with that first prodigal son where you're saying, you know what? I just feel like I've got to come home today. I feel like there's a tugging going on in my heart. I feel like I need to respond back to Jesus because for years or months, whatever it might be in your case, I haven't been walking with him. And today he's wanting to rectify that. Today he's calling you home. If that is you, don't you want to stand? If you know you need to get right with Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Father. 
you know, when you stood up, what you're doing is you're making a statement to God. The statement that he made on the cross was a public one, and I'm so grateful for you guys to make the statement to him. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but to be honest, the statement that you've made right now is the more powerful. Because you can say words, but it's your actions that demonstrate those words. So by standing up, you've made a declaration to God, God, I'm coming home. So well done. Thank you so much for standing. And I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Jesus, let's repeat after me. Jesus, thank you that you are the good father, that you are calling me home. And as I turn to you today, you are running to me. You are embracing me. I ask you that you'd forgive me for the things that I've done. And I thank you for your forgiveness, for your love and your restoration. In Jesus' name. So, Father, I thank you for every single one of these people, God, who have stood up here today. Would you bless them, God? Would they even feel the embrace of a father who's coming right now and embracing them and saying, welcome home? That, Father, that from today onwards, God, it would be a different story, God, that from today onward, they would be the accepted son in the house.